Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Ostroy. Welcome to The Back Room. I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with uh, white supremacy or white supremacists. Those who deny the Holocaust are an accomplice to this horrible evil. This is my pledge to you. We will confront anti-Semitism. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. Does it concern you that many people saw that tweet as racist? It doesn't concern me. Because many people agree with me. Listen, well, would right you like me to condemn? Right proud boys, stand back and stand by. Yeah, you know how Donald Trump confronts anti-Semitism? He invites it to his to his house for dinner. So what we don't have there is Trump uh, when he issued his statement saying, uh, "I don't know Nick Fuentes." And after all these years, what gets me so riled up is this: I didn't know him. I'm just a fucking idiot defense as if somehow that's okay. That like you can just have people walk into your house when you're the ex-president and they could be criminals. They could be Nazis. They could be whoever it's, you know, your house, by the way, where all the top secret documents are stored. And like somehow that makes you not a bad guy. Uh, It's just unbelievable to me how he's, he continues to be treated like, like a five-year-old, like, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. He didn't know. How do you not know? Right. And the Republicans, they then repeat this, this crazy rhetoric, you know, he didn't know. He, and he didn't invite him. He didn't invite him. Well, you know what? If you're, you, you have a, your babysitter comes over to watch your 10-year-old daughter, right? And her boyfriend comes over. She invites her boyfriend to come over and he brings his friend who's a pedophile, right? And you find out when you come home. Is your reaction going to be like, hey, that's cool. I have no problem with my babysitter. I'm going to hire her again. Come back tomorrow night, sweetie, and take care of my 10-year-old because you didn't invite the pedophile. Would that ever happen? But somehow in the GOP, everybody's piling on now. With It, it wasn't Trump. He only invited the other anti-Semite, <laughs> Holocaust-denying, neo-Nazi lover, uh, Jew-hating Kanye West. Uh, who, by the way, uh, Maddie's going to talk about this in a minute, but there's some news on him uh, this, that just broke. Trump has yet to say, I condemn Nick Fuentes. The Republican Party has yet to come out and say, I condemn Donald Trump. I mean, this complicity, as evidenced by the silence, is just infuriating. The net effect here, the real dangerous net effect, is that this shit has become normalized. It's normalized. When people don't condemn stuff, then it just becomes part of the fabric, right? So what happens six months from now if DeSantis has dinner with a neo-Nazi, right? It's normal. Probably the only one who's going to condemn him is Donald Trump, as if Donald Trump never had dinner with a Nazi, because that's what Donald Trump does. Anyway, it's been a crazy week and a very shitty week for Donald Trump. His weeks just keep getting shittier and shittier. Hopefully we're getting closer to a really shitty week, which is when he would be indicted. So let's just run down real quick what happened to Trump this week. The courts ordered his tax returns to be delivered finally after six years or seven years to the House Ways and Means Committee. They have that. Let's see what they do with those between now and the time they lose control of the House, which is when all this shit's going to go away. There was an amazing, uh, profound verdict in the Oath Keepers trial of uh, Stuart Rhodes and Kelly Meggs. They were both convicted of seditious conspiracy, which carries a maximum prison sentence of 20 years. The J6 committee report uh, was announced that that's going to come out before Christmas. 
Uh, yesterday, there, we're going to be hearing, uh, close, we heard closing arguments in the tax fraud trial of the Trump organization. Also yesterday, an appeals court halted the special master review of the stolen top secret documents. And then if, and if that wasn't enough, wait, kids, there's more. A federal judge ordered former White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his deputy, Patrick Philbin, who appeared before the grand jury uh, in September, to come back and provide additional testimony. Uh, and that's you know, all these high, high level people around Trump that have been going back or testifying or being called into the Georgia grand jury uh, tr- investigation. This is all a clear indication of where it's leading. And it's leading to Trump. I've said it before. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. He's getting indicted. Uh, it's not a matter of, of if, it's when and where. I think it's going to be in multiple places. I think in this federal grand jury uh, J6 investigation, as well as Georgia and uh, even possibly uh, New York. Maddie, what'd you think of, uh, Jen, what'd you think of Trump's week? This was a bad week for him. I think that's safe to say. I, um, I'm really intrigued by what the uh, secret proceedings of the federal court did in terms of Pat Cipollone and making sure that uh, he didn't have executive privilege. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that might be one of the biggest stories that's under the radar. Yeah. There's no more hurdles. The investigation is moving forward. It's going to speed things up by, by having this ridiculous decision uh, by a- uh, Justice Aileen Cannon, who appointed uh, the special master, uh, Raymond Deary. Get that out of the way because that was just slowing things down. So the walls continue to close in on, on Trump and around Trump. I think these next few weeks, there's going to be something happening. That's that's my sense. We have a big Georgia runoff on Tuesday. Let's go to the clip on that. We was all letting the people know how important it was to get out the turnout, the turnout and, and have your vote counted. And because it is very, very important. This election here is about, uh, you know, about controlling the Senate in the sense that, you know, we're not going to let them take this Senate away. Right now, we can have uh, everyone have the different committees. Now the committee could be even, whereas if, if uh, the Republican lose that Senate seat, then the uh, Democrat got total control. Right now, we got a chance to make all the committees even, that it, that we can still do some correction on it. And, and that's what I'm going to fight for. And then there's this. Since the last time I was here, Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia. Like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. This is a debate that I must confess I once had myself when I was seven. Then I grew up. In case you're wondering, by the way, Mr. Walker decided he wanted to be a werewolf, which is great. As far as I'm concerned, he can be anything he wants to be. Except for a United States Senator. God, I, I, how much do I love? How much do we love Obama? He was in rare form yesterday. The funny thing to me is when I hear werewolf as it relates to Herschel Walker, there's a part of me that thinks he thinks that's a question. Think about that on the way home, kids. So Herschel Walker is standing out there talking to Georgians saying, you got to elect me because it'll create parity in, in the Senate and uh, the committees will be even and it's a tie. And it's like, if you can't fucking explain, if you don't know what your role is going to be, if you win, 
<laughs> you don't belong there. But as far as committees are concerned, there's no such thing as a committee where it's evenly split. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I don't know, his handlers, Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz, apparently forgot to prep him on the, the, the Senate rules because he thinks that if he wins, it's a tie. <laughs> he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what his role is going to be. I mean, he's werewolf. so in. He's a werewolf. Oh, my God. There's like a million and a half Georgians who voted already. And so I think uh, what we have in Georgia is a guy who's running away from the press, running away from talking uh, and campaigning. He didn't do any work. Uh, Walker didn't do any walking over the Thanksgiving Day holiday weekend. He did not campaign. He hasn't had a presser in almost two months. And his campaign recently created a rule that reporters can't get within 20 feet of him so that they can't shout questions at him. This sounds like a man who's in retreat. This sounds like somebody who knows he's losing and is just trying to fade away uh, quietly. And I think it's potentially going to be a landslide on Tuesday, but I'll take I'll take a win. I'll take a close win. Jen? I'd like to talk issues for a minute. Mm -hmm. I think Georgia, I think they're going to come out for Raphael Warnock because uh, Georgia has one of the highest rates of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And Raphael Warnock has been um, a strong proponent on capping the insulin rates. Mm -hmm. And I really think that Georgians are going to just put this nonsense aside and we're just going to have like a nice, clean mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. If you, if you watch, CNN had an interesting thing this morning on their new uh Don Lemon, Caitlin Collins, Poppy Harlow show. By the way, if you're listening, Don Lemon, uh, you're dressing really well on this show. Very cool. Very Hef-like. It's, it's got a very Playboy after dark vibe to it. Anyway, they did like a, they showed a focus group. And there's a lot of the, the split ticket people in Georgia, the people who voted for Kemp, but can't vote for Walker. And I think you're right, Jen. I think skyrocketing cost of insulin is just one issue on top of his ginormous incompetence and ignorance. I mean, most people don't know what the hell he's talking about. He'll come out and talk. I mean, I don't Obama think was, he knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, werewolves and vampires? Uh, I don't know. So I think it's going to be a win, which is an important win. I think, Maddie, you mentioned this a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, that it means that we don't have to kiss uh, Joe Manchin's ass the same way that we did previously. But I, I think it could be a very surprising victory for... Oh, Warnock. Um, Joe Biden. I don't want to say a lot about Joe Biden, but the man notched yet another bipartisan victory yesterday with the settling of the, the rail, uh, potential rail strike issue. Neither side got what they wanted. I know the progressives are up in arms about paid leave and all that. And sick leave is sick is leave is something very, that really should be right. But nothing a is, human right. is worse. And strike is worse and the economy tanking because of a rail strike. I mean, I think this is indicative of where we are today. It's back with that kind of a deal. We're kind of going back to where we used to be, where maybe some shit got done. You know, I was in business for a long time and we used to say all the time, if two people walk out of a room happy, it's a great deal. Two people walk out of a room miserable, it's a great deal. One person walks out happy and the other person walks out miserable, that relationship's going to tank within six months. If both parties walked away saying we didn't get everything we wanted in today's climate, that's a sweet victory. And when you look at Biden, you look at the, this rail deal, infrastructure deal, gun reform, the American Relief Act, these are all bipartisan deals in the most toxic, divisive landscape that we've ever seen. And he campaigned on that. 
So I just want to say that his his ability to sort of bridge the gap between the parties, even in the most challenging of times, is is pretty amazing. And he continues to present himself as one of the most effective first two-year presidents in history. So anyway, that's my rant on on him. Maddie, uh, I'm, I'm, somehow I don't think you're agreeing with me on this love of Biden. No, no, no. I, I think he's done an incredible job. I'm just really disappointed that sick leave was not somehow negotiated into this deal because yeah. I think that it is outrageous that they don't have more sick leave. It just is inexcusable. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and my counter to that, Jane, you filthy slut, is <laughs> um, look at gun reform. We got some gun reform for the first time in 30 years. Was it everything, you know, that we, we all wanted? No. So it's that something is better than nothing thing. Yes. Which some people don't ascribe to. So, you know, it is accomplishments in a, in a tough time. Elon Musk and Twitter. Your favorite subject, Maddie. Go. The floor yeah. is yours. <laughs> well, first, I'll just say that Elon has is, is become exhausting at this point. I, I'm exhausted by the crazy. <laughs> I, it, it is too much. But we do know now that there is a limit to free speech, as mm. Elon will, de- will uh, define oh, it. Oh, tell us, Maddie. Uh, this is apparently the limit. You cannot post a Star of David with a swastika in the center of it, and that will get you suspended. Mm. Even if you're Kanye, um, which apparently happened early Friday morning, mm-hmm. where Elon said that... Wait, uh, what? You mean the guy who said yesterday that Hitler did some great things? That uh, guy is posting a picture of a... Star of David with a swastika. Oddly, oddly enough, apparently, according to Kanye, I don't Shocking. know if you listened to the ravings on Alex Jones's show, but he also claimed that Hitler's good things were that he invented highways and the microphone, uh, which are both not true, but that's beside mm-hmm. the point. It, it was a crazy thing that Alex Jones actually pushed back on Kanye because it was so crazy that Alex Jones at one point said, uh, we're going to go to a break because I'm the crazy guy. Um, yeah, go and get this fucking crazy guy out of here. What is he talking about? Neo-Nazis, the Jewish stars, Hitler. It was something to be behold. Um, but Musk in general is, uh, you know, although he's suspended Kanye, most of what's going on on Twitter is still uh, a meltdown mm-hmm. of any kind of moderation or guardrails. And we're seeing it uh, leaking out all over. We're seeing it For example, in COVID misinformation, Twitter now has a policy, which Mm -hmm. they've stated on the transparency page, that they no longer will remove COVID misinformation. So Mm -hmm. there's tons of it coming on Twitter now. How am I going to know which bleach to inject in my body if we don't have this information, Maddie? I think Clorox is a good brand. They could be our sponsor. New and improved Clorox? (laughs) New and improved. So the new and improved, does that cover the 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 new variants or um, just make sure it's unscented? <laughs> <laughs> this would be funny if it wasn't all semi real, by the Unfortunately. way. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Uh Kanye, I, I just I don't know. I what do you think is happening with that dude? We're watching someone unravel. I mean, I will say in the same way that Elon Musk is sort of like a force field. For Mark Zuckerberg, because, you know, you used to think Mark Zuckerberg was the most horrible person, but then Elon Musk said, oh, well, Mark Zuckerberg is kind of sane. Now we have Kanye to make Elon Musk seem totally Well, it's like a troika. It's like Kanye, Trump, and Musk. It's like three sociopaths who eat, you know that old expression, like, you know, no publicity is bad publicity. There's a limit. Well, but these three thrive on that. Kanye seems to me like he's getting up every morning going, wow, I'm in the news even more than I was yesterday. And he has, and he doesn't give a shit. Why? 
Apparently not, but I don't think this is going to get him a new shoe deal. But <laughs> I'd pretty much guarantee it's not getting him a new shoe deal. Unless there's like a like a, a, a new Nazi sneaker that comes out. And he has shopped his shoes to... I mean, we know that he shopped them to Skechers and like a bunch of other companies to try and get a new shoe deal. And, and oddly enough, they've all said no. So I think... And, and, and it just... It all ties back to the whole Nick Fuentes thing too. It's like... You know, the, the Trump defense, it, it literally makes you want to take your head and smash it into a wall. That's how frustrating it is, because it, it's like Trump saying, look, I didn't invite that anti-Semite neo-Nazi to my house. I, I invited the other one, you know, Kanye. Yeah. Like, it's both wrong. They're both wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't have invited to eat. Neither of them should have been anywhere near your house. I, I don't know. You also might have noticed that the GOP removed a tweet they sent out a few weeks ago, which was just Kanye Musk Trump. That tweet has been yes. deleted. Right. But there, it's just, it's crazy. They're like the three musketeers of clusterfucks. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know. The three musket, three musk, musk. <laughs> You're going to work on this one. Oh, there's something there. <laughs> The three cluster musterfucks or something. There's something there. All right. Today we have an amazing guest. I am really thrilled about this. He is a legend. It's not often we get a legend in the back room. And he is James Carville. Raging Cajun? The Raging Cajun. James, the Raging Cajun Carville. He's America's best known political consultant with a knack for steering overlooked campaigns into unexpected landslide victories and for remaking political underdogs into upset winners most notably Bill Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign victory. More recently, he's been focusing his strategic thinking on international campaigns in more than 23 countries around the globe. He's an eight-time New York Times bestselling author, actor, talk show host, and public speaker whose latest book, We're Still Right, They're Still Wrong, released in 2016. In 2008, he returned to his home state of Louisiana, where he is now a prominent advocate for the city of New Orleans, and recently wrapped an almost decade-long professorship at Tulane University to join LSU's, uh, that's his alma mater, Manship School of Mass Communication. James, welcome into the back room. Well, good. I don't know. I like the front room, too, but back room is fine. <laughs> we are literally in a back room of an Epicurean store in Dutchess County, New York. We're like doing like a Wayne's World thing here, but it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Before we get into uh, all the usual political uh, shenanigans, uh, uh, which sometimes I often think you you get tired of talking about, I, I want to talk about uh, a little bit about you and your life, and uh, maybe yeah. maybe give somebody something they don't know about James Carville. <laughs> um, but uh, the first thing we do here in the back room is we try to get a window into people's souls, and one way to do that is to ask a couple of questions. One which we ask at the beginning. And one we, we ask at the end. The first one is, are you a dog or a cat person? And before you answer, bef I'm, 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 before, uh, before it, you it, answer, um, I think most people would probably think of you as like walking through the marsh with muck boots and your Labrador. But there's something that makes me want to say that you're cuddling up on the couch at night with a putty cat. Am I wrong? So it's a, you asked a question, right? Yep. <laughs> the answer is going to be a little bit longer. I'm... I always thought of myself as a dog person, but and but the the cat. I was in my bed in the Shenandoah Valley, and the cat produced a litter of cats on my bed. And my wife says, "You don't you don't pick cats for your friend. Cats pick you." Exactly. And 
every time I turn around, a cat is jumping in my lap. And I'm why do these cats like me? I'm not a particularly cat person. And <laughs> I don't, a dog, I understand. Cats, they, 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 I don't think they're completely domesticated. Okay, when I see a cat, I, I think maybe it's still in the savannah or wherever, you know, big cats are, you mm -hmm. know. But so I, I, I consider myself a dog person, but cats consider me a cat person. So, so, so the cat is a so if the cat was asked this question, they say I'm a James Carville person. Right. And I think the less attention you pay to them, the more they like it. <laughs> but with cats, because I have two dogs and two cats with dogs, I could pet my dogs all day long until my arm falls off. And they're like more, more, more. There's that moment with a cat where they could be loving it, but like there's that moment where they then are going to scratch your eyes out because it's too much affection. Right. And that's why cats lose me. I'm sorry to the cat people out there, but uh, in my heart, I'm a dog person. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always thought of myself as a dog person, but, but, but whatever reason, and my daughter, my wife and daughters are big cat people, mm -hmm. it, 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 it actually irritates them that the cats like me more than them. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like with people, cat. like with with some people, like the least, more, the least, less attention you pay them, the more they want to be around you, right? Uh, yeah. Something well, psychological yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And this is going to be a horrible segue. Uh, but speaking of dogs, what's happening with your Saints? I don't have a quarterback. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of a simple thing, you, you know. Sometimes the cliches are right. It's very difficult to win. Now, now our you know, division is so bad. If we beat Tampa Bay Sunday, we're actually kind of in the hunt. Mm -hmm. If you want to ask me about the Pelicans, I could talk about them forever. <laughs> well, at least you have your alma mater, right? LSU is doing pretty well. So. Yeah, it's an unbelievable season for us. Yeah. I mean, we had, you know, we had 39 scholarship players left. We had nothing. You know, we had 15 portal transfers. We start five true freshmen. We'll be in a national championship game in 2024. Mm -hmm. And I know you hate making predictions uh, politically, but how about soccer tomorrow? USA going to win? You know, I got wrapped up in it. Me too. And I I, I guess what, I, I don't know very much about soccer. I'm gonna pretend that I do. I'm sorry, football. 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 Yeah, football. <laughs> you know, I, the pitch. The match. It's not a it's game. Called... It's a match. It's not a <laughs> right. Okay, and, and it's not zero, it's nil. Okay, I, I'm not that into it. Um, I, the Netherlands are good. I, I mean, I, I, I know what I read. I can't tell you I've watched them play that much. Uh, but I don't know. You know, we're pretty good, too. We're pretty good, too. Mm -hmm. So they're going to come to play. They are. And uh, what's-his-name is going to play, so uh, that's a good a good sign. Yeah, that guy, Pusak, or whatever his name he is. He got kicked right? in the nuts or something. And uh... I, I tell you one thing, that anybody doesn't think that's a violent game, they don't watch it. You, you, don't, have, you don't have a helmet on. You don't have anything, man. You, you, and those guys are fine. I, I did a lot of work in both Argentina and Brazil, and uh, I wanted to go to one of the soccer matches in Argentina, uh, River Platte, I forgot what team, Boca, Boca, something like that. They said, that's not a good idea. You really don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, watching that guy clutch his groin for 15 minutes on the ground, oh. uh, if you don't think soccer's a, a, a physical, violent sport, uh, you're, you're kind of crazy. How much do you run? I get tired watching. Like, and I run every day. Like, God damn. It's a lot of running. It's a big-ass field. 
Yeah. <laughs> Makes a football field seem small. So just what? tell me about the young, what, what, little James Carville growing up. Were you like one of these political nerds at the age of eight, like watching whatever was the version then of C-SPAN or reading the New York Times? Or, or were you out, you know, playing Sandlot Ball and crapping your pants like the rest of us? You know, that's it's a good question. I, I, it's always, my grandfather was on the Inville Parish Police Jury, which is the, well, that's the county commission. And my uncle was on the school board. Mm-hmm. And my, my dad used to, uh, you know, he had a country store and he'd go open a store like at 630 in the morning, he'd come back to the house at 830 and eat breakfast and he would uh, read the paper. Actually, I remember he had like a commuter fold, you know, fold paper like that. Mm-hmm. And he Read the paper out loud. God damn it, look at this. What they're doing in Baton Rouge. This is clown. You know, but, so I I kind of grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I was in my formative years, Earl Long, who, who in my opinion, by the way, is the single most colorful politician that ever lived, was going through his agony. And I, I, I was working in downtown Baton Rouge and I, used to have to go and work for a bank and we'd go to Capitol and pick up as a messenger. And I, I'd just sit there and watch the legislature. And I could just remember all the noise and the old spice, you know, aftershave and the cigar <laughs> smoke. And it was just like, oh my God, how much fun is this? <laughs> you know, the, the lights on the legislative thing. So I, I, uh, I, I was addicted to politics mm-hmm. at, a, at a young age. I, I, my first job was tearing the signs down to the opponent of yeah, I was going to ask you about that. That was high school, right? Well, when you were in high school, you had that job? That was pre-high school. I, I, we didn't have pre-high school. Like that, but I, you were thinking about probably junior high when I, I started. I, I'd say if you in junior high, if you were running around ripping off political signs of a, of a, of a yeah. candidate, that, you, that that qualifies you as a political nerd for sure at a, yeah. at a, at a young age. Um, and it, I saw this and I wasn't sure it was... You grew up in Carville, Louisiana? Like everything else, there's a backstory. So it sounds like a hell of Carville, a backstory. Carville, Louisiana was called Island, Louisiana. And but there are other where my mother was from is in, in Point Coupee Parish, mm-hmm. up South Louisiana, there was an island. And you can imagine there's a Sicily Island in Louisiana, there's a Pecan Island, there's any number and so the postal service kept getting the mail mixed up. And they decided that what's called post office and, and they said, well, my, my great-grandmother was the postmistress. Mm-hmm. So I was open. My, my grandfather at the time, this was in June of 1909, was the postmaster. So the Postal Service said, we'll just call it Carville because that's the name of the postmasters. And I, oh. I but all the girls at LSU think we were land barons, you know. <laughs> my God, you don't know who I'm dating. He has his own town. I could just hear yeah, it now. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like, oh my God, man! You know, the truth of the matter, we're family of bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah, and you couldn't even be from the wrong side of the tracks because you, your family owned both sides of the tracks, right? So that's there you go. And, and Carville, Louisiana, is, is famous in the world of medicine. Mm-hmm. It was the home of the largest and most sophisticated treatment facility of Hansen's disease, or what you would think of as leprosy, mm-hmm. in the world. In, in 1959, Carville, Louisiana, had more MDs per capita than Rochester, Minnesota. Well, were they all named? Yeah, so, <laughs> were they all named Carville? <laughs> yeah, they were from all over the world, man. And there's a, a, a great book called Carville's Cure, 
by an author named Pam Fessler, who's been with NPR for like 30 years. Hmm. Her, I think, father-in-law, uh, she had some family connection to it, and she wrote a book. And, it, and there's a, several books about Carville. This one is by far the best. Mm-hmm. And is it true you, you were a junior high school teacher? I taught, yes. The, the first, when I got out of the Marine Corps in school year 69-70, it was like the first year of real integration in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I decided, I, you know, being a liberal that I was, I decided I wanted to partake in this grand experiment. And I did, the truth of the matter is they were desperate to find white male teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually affirmative action in reverse. I didn't have a certificate or anything, so I taught science, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade science. I don't know shit about science, but <laughs> made it up. <laughs> but uh, yes, it was a rewarding. Well, Republicans believe science is all made up anyway, so you know. <laughs> right. Well, they would have loved me. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to think, like, if I if I was in junior high school and you were my teacher, I, I was trying to think, like, would, would I think that's like the most awesome thing in the world, or would you kind of scare the shit out of me and I'd be afraid to come to school every day? I'm still not sure I know the answer to that. You know, I wrote a book in the 90s, and I sent somebody to interview the students. And, and I mean, I, I think they remembered me pretty well. It was fun. We did all kind of crazy experiments mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, pretty unconventional. Uh, you know, in recess, I'd play quarterback on both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But, uh, good place to be it was a fun year Mm -hmm. and so and where where did the raging kate do you remember the first person who who referred to you as the raging cajun where'd that come from it was in 1982 is a reporter for the roanoke forget the name of the paper the roanoke named marge fisher who put it in an article that it did i was running a campaign in virginia at the time and, and the name just stuck and when you saw it, you're like, wow, I like that. Or what do you mean, raging Cajun? Have a, I didn't have a particularly negative or positive reaction to it, but it's just one of those things that just stuck. Mm, and it I like sure it. Did. I mean, it's a good, yeah, it, 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 it's good. It, it, I think it, it, it's a good, you know, you, you got to have, you know, my, my grandmother, her, her, she had, her father was from Denmark, was an immigrant to Louisiana. His name was Slanker. And she used to say, boy, you know, you got a good name. James is a good name and Carville is a good name because it phonetically, it, it, it's easy to spell. There are not many Carvilles, so you're not going to get. And so I, I, I just grew up. Most people don't like their name, mm-hmm. or, you know, something else. They, I just grew up liking my name. I thought I was very fortunate. I, mean, I was James Carville. What a great name I had because mm-hmm. my grandmother would, would tell you that. And uh, and I have a great nickname too. I mean, I'm, you know, some people get nicknames that, and, and kids are so mean. I went to when I went to high school. There was this guy that was unbelievably unattractive, and it called him Worm. I mean, what? The, I mean, what a miserable. And that was his. Life. That was his girlfriend. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Had a, uh, some girl had an unusually pointed breast, and they called her Dixie Cup. <laughs> oh, boy. 
I'm glad you said that, James, and not me. Uh, I stay away from breast jokes. Yeah, no, kids yeah. can be cruel. And, and I hated my name and, and uh, Ostroy. I mean, I, all through my childhood, I was ostrich, and I hated that. And I, and I would, if someone called me like the Raging Cajun, that would have been the coolest thing ever. So, yeah, I think you escaped, you, you dodged a bullet in the naming thing. Yeah, I did. I got, I got lucky in both, you know, both my real name and my nickname. So I, I've been a, bit, a big fan of yours for so long. Uh, I had our mutual pal, Paul Bagala, on here a couple months yeah. ago, and I, and I told him, to me, you and Paul and Stephanopoulos and that whole Clinton thing in 92, you guys are like the Beatles of political consultancy. I don't know who's who, but I guess, you know, Paul is... We'll, we'll let Paul be Paul because his name is Paul, and I guess that makes you John, but they were both brilliant. I, I grew up kind of in politics watching you and Mary and thinking that was the most incredible thing in the world, that here's this liberal and this Republican, and they're married, and they can talk, and they can argue, and it seems like like those days, like you and Mary to me now, both seem like a couple of Bernie Sanders sitting in a room compared to the craziness that exists today. But I wanted to ask you how Mary's doing, what she's doing, what she's up to. and She's up. She's actually, I think she stayed over. She had a speech in, uh, in all places, Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, you know, why hurry back anywhere? It's time of year. It's nice down there. But uh, she's actually uh, doing doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, Trump years were hard on a lot of people yep including us but but uh it, it's much better now mm -hmm. uh you have a quote which i love uh you say winning an argument with your wife is like winning the war with iraq once you win you're in even more trouble <laughs> that's pretty profound well, <laughs> it, it, name me one married person that disagrees with that yeah no not me no. i was married three times and, and, you know, I'm a big kick the can down the road. I don't want to have a discussion, really. <laughs> Let's just plow through this. Because it's never going to end well. And, you know, I have a friend of mine who keeps calling me in romantic advice. And I said, look, just agree with everything. And don't comment. Don't, don't, don't comment on anything. Because whatever comment you make is it, going to be taken the wrong way. Just agree, smile, and, and listen. <laughs> Just like think of something else and lean in. Okay, I gotta say I agree I a thousand percent, men. If you're men out there listening, t trust me, take James's advice yeah. as someone who's don't, don't, been don't, don't don't have a discussion, mm -hmm. don't confront the issue. Just kick the can down the road. There you go, kick the can down. That's the quote of the day. And you know, if, if your wife says. Uh, does does my ass look big in this? No, I didn't know you had one. No, not at all. It's gonna come down. Well, let go. I st I stopped answering that question decades ago because my usual answer was no. Your ass makes you look big in that dress. So uh, that's a bad move. So yeah, that was a bad. I found that out the hard way. Yeah, I, me too. I I, I I generally, you know, uh, there's a saying here that, that the best education in the world is the second kick of a mule. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. You've done some acting, you know. It's kind of an interesting part of your career. You, you like doing that stuff. Was the, are we going to see more James Carville? You you in Quentin Tarantino's next movie, maybe? What's going on? Uh, you know, I, I, I always played me in the... Uh, they got me to play somebody in the, the Jesse James movie, The Assassination, the 
and I had to play somebody else, I'd never do that again. No, I could see you as like a villain in Batman. It's a crap. It's a it's a real skill, right? And you don't have that skill, and I don't either. Oh, I disagree. And I have the skill to play myself. Okay, I don't have the skill to play somebody. But here, the secret but, to acting okay. is a lot of people are actually playing themselves in roles. Well, I can do that. I can, it, 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 and we're in the process of making a documentary about me now. And I, I think it's going to be, Matt Tynehauer is like mm -hmm. a, a real first-class documentary, uh, documentary filmmaker. And we're, we're shooting stuff now. And the goal is, and what I feel like is that politics has gotten such a bad name and I'm afraid that young people won't want to get into it. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing this film and the kind of goal is, is hey, this, this shit is fun. Okay, you, you, this is not wearing a hair shirt. And, and so much of the intensity and like I talk about the, the crazy ye or whatever that crap is that Trump, right? that that doesn't but so much on the left that they're all so serious so how can you laugh at a time like this <laughs> when there's disease and discrimination and poverty and it's all okay there's all i mean if you want to change that acquire political power right but i i just find the 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 i'm a liberal Okay, understand it. People say, well, you're a moderate Democrat. No, I'm no such thing. I'm no such goddamn thing. I'm a liberal Democrat. I'm not a leftist. And these aren't the most unhappy people I've ever been around in my life. <laughs> like, well, why don't you, life is short. Why don't you have a good time? Why do you think they're so unhappy? Yeah. Huh? Why do you think they're so unhappy? Because... Uh, that they get in these networks, and I mean, there's a lot to be unhappy about in the world. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, there's a lot of discrimination in the world. There's a lot of injustice in the world. There's a lot of poverty in the mm -hmm. world. Climate stuff is gut wrenching. But <clears throat> you know, if you you want to affect things, you got to do it through the acquisition of power. And the way that you acquire power is actually trying to be charming and nice. Right. Well, and I get to charming and nice in a second because I want to talk about Bill Clinton. But what about you? All these years in politics, did you ever think of running for office yourself, or do you just not see yourself no. in that temperament? No. Why? It, it would, in twenty minutes, Oppo research. <laughs> it, it would be pretty. It would not be pretty. I, 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 you know, it wouldn't. It wouldn't take a lot. Yeah, it's a lot easier. People have said that to me too, and I'm like, no, you, you know, I, I'd rather be the guy with the the voice and the earpiece than than the guy out front. You know, the other thing is, is I've been around politicians. It's just hard ass work. Yeah, and it's a thankless job. Yeah, right, and you know, when you're James Carville, what what do I want to change? I'm James Carville. I don't want to be anybody else. Right. I, grew, I grew up to be exactly what I wanted to be. I walked down the street, hey, James, how you doing? What's going on? What do you think going to win? Oh, yeah, she's going to win this weekend? All good. You know, hey, get a table right here. Come by and see me. <laughs> There's no other person on earth that I'd rather be than me. I hear you. And I don't blame you. I don't understand politicians, why they why they do it. I just don't. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm I mean, glad they do it. I love it. I mean, they, they're like, trust me, they they... 
no shortage of any love it and run for re-election and get beaten and they run again and uh that's great it's just it's just not my temperament yeah no, i agree so speaking of temperament and charming and all that what i often think like was it just the right guy at the right time in 92 with bill clinton what made what made him so special even to this day there are people that fawn over him as if he's godlike uh, uh, despite you know the challenges and the controversies and all that is he a one of a once in a lifetime kind of politician well so you stop and you think but all people ever knew was world war ii presidents mm-hmm. all right that, that was all they knew and here comes a guy you know playing a saxophone <laughs> talking differently was a baby boomer single mother that didn't ever happen right and 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 the thing i i will say is you'll know, have people say this campaign was better than this what was the obama bo campaign better or, or the reagan 80 campaign better i i don't know but I, what i will say with a great degree of confidence is the 92 Clinton campaign was the most culturally significant campaign in American history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's things like it's the economy, stupid, the war room, the sister soldier moment, mm-hmm. any of that is just baked in to American culture. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so I, and, and well, people can't believe you know, when they went to De Gaulle and De Gaulle was not going to run for re-election, he, they said, what's France going to do without you? Mm-hmm. He said, the graveyards are full of indispensable people. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and that's where we are now. I think we are on the verge of, of a cultural explosion. And it, it's going to be generational. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I rode that up and I'm going to ride it down. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is my generation, my, our moment has passed. It, it, you know, got, we got to get, I was glad to see, you know, the speaker who I, I, I don't admire, I worship her, Speaker mm-hmm. Pelosi. And, you know, and Hakeem, you got to pass the baton here, dude. Yeah, that's it. it was a, it's a great transition and a very, and a yeah. very timely one. As much as we love Nancy Pelosi and, and hate to see her go, it does feel like the right moment in time in history for, for a young black man to take the helm. Right. And, and I think I came, you know, look, will he come into it with the skill that, that speaker Pelosi had? No. Mm-hmm. Will he acquire it and make his own law? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I celebrate that kind of change. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the midterms, the big ray, the red wave that never came. You, you're, you're, you recently said the result was, the result we got last night was stunning. It seemed like a tie race. This is some incomprehensible upset. It's hard to imagine. Um, what? So what do you think happened? Well, so I did, to be fair to myself, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was seeing three, four Senate polls a day. Mm-hmm. And they weren't changing. And I was looking at, the, you know, they tried to, juice up the congressional generic that all these bullshit polls put in but basically it was stayed the same and if you're going to have a big wave election you, you would see some deterioration 
you know, in the last week. Mm-hmm. And it didn't produce that. So we had some some contraindicators. Uh, and uh, if you got to wait before you make definitive judgments. But I, I think young people kind of came in stronger than they were modeled for. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a very good black turnout. And mm-hmm. that's something the party is going to have to explore in depth. Mm-hmm. Is why. Mm-hmm. Um, I had own theories, but they're, they're nothing but theories. Give us one. That you you turn on cable television, you listen to something. These people come in and they said the Democrats have done nothing for black people. All they do is every four years, they come in, they ask for you vote, they don't invest in your community, they don't care. Mm-hmm. So people hear that. And some people actually believe it, mm-hmm. which of course is horseshit. <laughs> I hate I mean, we did, you know, the highest reduction in child poverty mm-hmm. in maybe history, the, the greatest expansion of health care in history. Uh, are you kidding me? Or could you do more? Of course. But when you go out and you tell people, your message is no one's doing anything for you. You say, well, a certain percent of people hear that. And, and stay at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our vice president is black. We're speaking of current House majority black. We had. You know, in Georgia, we had the lowest black turnout since 2006. Can't say we didn't have uh, black folks on our ticket. Black women so, on the Supreme Court? Yes. Uh, but if, you're, if, if people are constantly yapping that you don't do anything far, somebody's, you know, 10% of the people are going to believe that. Right. And, and so yeah. there, a lot of people have different opinions as to what, what went on with the... Uh, primaries, uh, the, the, the election, the midterms, and, and why the Republicans lost. I kind of like a quote of yours. You said, as far as Republicans go, they have really stupid people who vote in their primaries, and thus they tend to elect really stupid leaders. And it's that thing of like, they win the primaries, but they can't win. Like, you look at who won their primaries versus who lost in the general in, uh, in November. It seems like what you say is true. It's like, as long as they're going to keep electing, you know, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters and this one and that one and, and, you know, uh, Herschel Walker, like all these people that end up losing or going to lose, how could they win? So so how can a party who uh, close to a majority of people who identify with it uh, don't believe in evolution? Well, you're really stupid. (laughs) Okay, if, if you don't believe in evolution, you are by definition a really, really stupid person. Yeah. It, if you yeah. don't believe in climate change, so you live in Arizona, you're you're literally running out of water. You understand this? Mm-hmm. You're running out of water. You don't believe in climate change, you're going to end up with Carrie Lake. You're going to end up with Blake Masters. Mm-hmm. All right. If you live in Georgia and you don't believe in evolution, well, that leads you right to Herschel Walk. Right. But jo- right. but but James, the, the monkeys are still here. So how, how do we have evolution right. if the monkeys are still here? People that people think that this is you gotta understand there's a there's a lot of people in Georgia that agree with Herschel Walker. They think that's a brilliant statement. He's mm-hmm. owning the lift. It got me, had me thinking for like 20 seconds, to be honest with you. I was like, well, no, 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 no. 
I mean, and I'm a smart well, guy, so I can imagine to your point, like if you're kind of stupid and you listen to Herschel Walker say it, the monkeys are still here. Less than Maddox, the former extremely racist governor mm -hmm. of Georgia, once observed that the problem with the Georgia prisons is the quality of the inmate. <laughs> okay, the problem with the Republican Party is the quality of people that vote in their primaries. They, right. they're, they're really, and I, I said uh, on television that I have the equivalent of a PhD in white trashology. I've hung around with, I've dated, I've, I've had sex with white trash. Okay, I, I know them well. Right. That might actually that might be the quote of the day. <laughs> yeah, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, yeah. That's white trash on steroids. I, 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 I said they're the subject of a dissertation. Yeah, I couldn't. Ag I, I, I couldn't agree more. A PhD candidate, a dissertation on how much white. You know, you know how Lauren Bobert met her husband? No, huh? uh, I probably have heard this story, but it's not ringing a bell. He exposed himself. Oh yeah, right. The the girls in the bowling alley. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he exposed himself. It, that, that's white trash. I have to tell you. <laughs> That's that. If you, it's also, if you it's also, up, it's also criminal. In a bowling alley, <laughs> and you expose yourself, you're you're in the Hall of Fame with white trash. Yeah. Well, he must have been impressive. If, you, if the girl marries the guy, <laughs> then you you become a, you get a PhD, an MD. So you said I heard you recently say there's two Americas. We become an, two Americas, young and old. But given the conversation we're having, I, I think. The two Americas are the sane and the insane. No, it's true, but but what what I'm moved by is one of my favorite quotes. I hate it because I'm 78. Is Max Planck, who is thought to be the greatest theoretical physicist ever, not named Einstein, said, "Science does not triumph because science convinces its opponents. Science triumphs because its opponents eventually die. <laughs> science advances one funeral at the time." Deep. Yeah, it's pretty deep. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is, when your whole life is invested in stupidity, you're not going to change your mind. You're not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm 59 years old, and I'm really my worldview is really stupid. It's it's it's, it's jackass. No, they're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. But I, if you look at young people, by and large, are, are much more enlightened than old people, and. Mm -hmm. It's gone one funeral at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was this midterm, with the midterms the first election in decades where it wasn't the economy stupid? Well, I don't know. You know, when you have the kind of insanity and messaging that they had, and you put up the kind of candidates they did, it, it you know, it's sufficient to give people pause. And I, I keep hearing how bad the economy is. All right? I looked up. I look smart. It's 200 and, I don't know, 40,000 jobs created or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's been <clears throat> the greatest period of job growth maybe ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say this, but I think Biden, you now he started in a different place. I agree. Uh, you, you go to the airport, you go on an airplane, you, you can't find a seat. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it, it, we, we're being told that the economy is terrible. But when we go out there, and, and you know, so, well, people have been thinking he's doing a good job. You know, yeah, sure, there's been inflation. Tides actually lower here than it is in other places. I, and they had no, so if you're saying inflation, 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 all right, and 
the Democrats saying we got to protect women's right to choose. All right. What's the difference between the Republican solution to inflation and a Democratic solution to inflation? Frankly, there's none. Mm-hmm. Look at that. All right. Now, but there is a difference between the Republican and Democratic view on, on women's health. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty clear distinction that people can understand. So that he, having found and so and these reporters are so stupid they don't talk to each other. They say, well, James, in, in, you know, inflation is forty-one percent and abortion is thirty-one percent. Yeah, but there ain't no difference. If, if you ask me, you know, what's the biggest issue you face in living in New Orleans? It gets shit to August, September here. It gets really humid. <laughs> Which is a big issue to me. I ain't gonna vote on it because nobody can do anything about it. Right, right. So you, you. Another quote of yours is, uh, "Don't get mad, don't get even. Just get elected, then get even." Is that what we're gonna see in the next two years with the House Republicans getting even now that they got elected? I, you know, I, this thing is going to be really fun to watch <laughs> because. Kevin McCarthy is, is a human pretzel. All right? <laughs> That's a nice... You're yeah, actually being had, kind, by the way. I, 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 yeah. D- these Republicans... I, I, I shouldn't say this. I'm not going to say it. But never mind. I'm oh, say it. They're, they're just going to gang rape him. <laughs> okay? Just right there. And they, they just, they, they're going to make him do this. They're going <laughs> to make him do that. He, he's a guy that has it, no skill to do this. He's got to put every, he's got to run back and forth. He's got to answer to everything. When you think of what Nancy Pelosi did with a four-member majority, mm-hmm. uh, and you're going to watch, you know, you're going to remember the greatest speaker in House history and the weakest speaker in House history, and you're going to see a staggering difference in performance. Mm-hmm. All right? It, 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 I hate to say it because it's my country. And, you know, it's half of a branch of government. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I mean, if, and look at these people. The other thing is, and I'll just be out and out say it, they're not very smart. Like, they're actually pretty stupid. I mean, really stupid. You know, uh, Jim Jordan, it's, he's not a very formidable man. In, in addition to being highly tolerant and protective of sexual abuse, which he is. Hates wearing a jacket, though. He's just not smart. Kevin McCarthy, he's just not that smart. Mm -hmm. Well, they're just fueled fueled by anger and hatred and vengeance, and that's all that drives them. Well, debilitating. Yes, because their voters, they were a reflection of their voters. We we blame, all my friends blame Republican politicians. I'm telling you, 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 you blaming the symptom you're not blaming the disease mm-hmm. the disease is the stupidity of their voters stupid voters <laughs> when stupid voters vote in primaries they produce stupid candidates because that's what they want right well it's the dumbing down they of america the intellectual equivalent of the voter yeah you know, one of the things I love about you and that makes you legendary is your quotes i could look at your quotes all day long. So what I want to do is just have a quick lightning round of James Carville quotes and have you comment any way you want. Uh, the first one is, drag a $100 bill through a trailer camp and there's no telling what you'll find. <laughs> what does that mean? It, it, this was, I did a thing 
called the Sperling Brothers. And I was referring to uh, Jennifer Flowers. It makes, I, I have a PhD in white trashology. I, I know what she can get done, but a $100 bill. <laughs> and so Linda Greenhouse, the, the legendary Supreme Court reporter for the New York Times, mm-hmm. I actually had on my podcast, wrote that I said it about Paula Jones. So I called her and I said, Linda, just so you know, I was not referring to Paula Jones. Mm-hmm. I was referring to Jennifer Flowers. She said, well, let me look it up, James. I'll call you right back. So the phone rang about 15 minutes later. It's in the greenhouse. She said, oh, my God, I feel terrible. You're right. I, I, I'll write a retraction. I said, no, nah, I'll just leave it where it is. I don't need a retraction. <laughs> okay. But at least she was one of the few reports. You know, usually if you call them and say they made a mistake, they get very defensive about it, you know, and everything. She said, I, gee, I feel terrible. I, 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 you're right. I, I made a terrible mistake here, and I'll, I'll fix it. And I, I said, nah, I ain't going to fix it. Just letting it. How about – how about uh, uh, if Hillary gave up one of her balls and gave it to Obama, he'd have two. Yeah, <laughs> what's I, up? I, I, what's up with that one? I was just trying to to say that she's tougher than he is, mm-hmm. and it was a way to say it in a you know. Mm-hmm. Well, they, in a graphic. It is what it is, I right? I mean, yeah. yeah. How about the teachings of the church line up more with the Democratic Party than the Republican Party? Isn't that kind of the problem we have today? Because the, the, no, the hypocrisy... It's not the actual teachings of the church which, which manifestly line up with the Democratic Party and not the Republican Party. Speaking of a Catholic church, me being a cradle Catholic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and the truth of the matter is we don't have any idea of what Jesus' position was on homosexuality because he never even uttered the word. It didn't take enough to comment on it. And uh, I don't think we have much enlightenment on his position on, on women's health or anything else. But the idea that you, you know, you love your neighbor as yourself, which mm-hmm. is the foundation, the foundation of all, to me, of all religion, it, how do you love your neighbor when you hate your neighbor? It, I mean, come on. Right. I mean, how can you be a profoundly religious person and hate immigrants? You can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can shape your own religion. I mean, the people at January the 6th were, were, were praying. I think if, right. I think if uh, to relate it to a, like a movie analogy, to, to today's politics and religion and, and the hypocrisy of the Republican Party would be like that scene in Annie Hall where uh, Woody Allen, Alfie Singer brings, Mar- when he's standing online in the movie theater and, and the guy behind him is ranting about Marshall McLuhan and then he's like, sir, you know nothing. He, and he whips out Marshall McLuhan and Marshall McLuhan goes, sir, you, you know nothing of my work. I feel like right. that's what would happen today. If Jesus would hear, he'd look at McConnell and, and McCarthy and go, people, guys, you, you know nothing of my work. And that would be the entire GOP. And every time I get somebody yelling at me on Twitter and call me the most vile names, I always just for shits and giggles go look at their bio, and it's, it usually starts off with you know loves Jesus, you know Christian or Jew, whatever religious affliction they have. But um, we just live in a in a world of hypocrisy today when it comes to religion. It, it, the most uncomfortable person in all of organized religion is Jesus Christ. They will talk about anything but him, right? Anything. Oh, turn another cheek. Love your neighbor, you know. Right. 
of the three charities. I, I mean, there, there is so little doctrinal or, or biblical support for anything that they think. And, and when and when they go deep, they have to go to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, right? So I I I, I don't know, but it, it it does it no longer. It just comes with the territory. It, it by the way, you you can. You're not going to do any good to argue with them. No, but it's just just hypocrisy. It, it, it is what it is, and you can't escape it. And and people, are, they're in a cult. It's really a cult today. And speaking of cults, let's talk about Trump for a second. What's your take on him running and whether he's going to get indicted and the whole special master and this and that? And like, It just seems like the walls are kind of closing in around him. Do you agree with that? He's going to go to jail. Right? It is not... I, I, look, I graduated from law school. I've been a member of the bar since, I don't know, 1981. Uh, but about, for, first of all, on the, the Mar-a-Lago documents, it's very simple. He took something that didn't belong to him. Right. It's pretty black and, and white. They asked him, nicely, uh, sir, this doesn't belong to you. Can you give it back to us? No. And they, again, sent him a letter. No. And they say, do you have any of these documents? And under oath, responding to a subpoena, he says, no. Of course, he had the documents. So how, how, what's the defense? And I've asked really good lawyers, give me, because if you go to, I'm your lawyer, you come to me and you said, look, I'm arrested for shop with. I'm going to try to think of a defense for you. Where had you left the store yet? <laughs> or are you... Could you forget anything, any kind of defense? I can't, I have, I have no lawyer that is able in, in, as opposed to me, really good lawyers. There's not much of a defense. If he, if General Kelly is right and he asked him, told him to audit the tax returns. If General Kelly told someone, put it in a diary, he don't. He's guilty right there. You don't have to do one other thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the asking is a felony. And, all, and you got to say, well, he won't testify. And they'll just say, well, if you can't convict the guy, just he said, he said kind of thing. But mm-hmm. if he told two people, then you don't believe that some of us just did. He wanted me to like audit Nancy Pelosi's tax return. Uh-oh. Yeah. Felony. Easy. Done. Finished. What about Georgia? You think he gets indicted there? That seems pretty black and white, too. I need you to find me 11,000, I mean, you know. Well, I mean, I could argue for a defense I, that he didn't have any ministerial power over the Georgia Secretary of State. I, I, that, would be my, that would be my defense off the top of my head. What difference does it make? He couldn't, and, and proof in the pudding, mm-hmm. Georgia Secretary of State ran for re-election and won overwhelmingly. He didn't, he didn't order it. He didn't have, if, 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 if the guy worked for the federal government, he was appointee of the president, that would be one thing. That's not a defense. I don't know how good of a defense it is. Right. But that, but, yeah. What about J6? Is he going to be held, in your opinion, held accountable for, for that in the federal uh, grand jury? I, I just think they have so many easier things to do than that. Right. And, and from a, You I, mean from a legal perspective in terms of proving? I, I, I just think that that's, that's fruit way up the tree. Mm-hmm. Because he could say, "Look, I said in there we're going to follow." He, he did give some disclaimer mm-hmm. about following the law, mm-hmm. all right? And yeah, I was mad, and I, but I had no idea. He said, "I mean, I, I just think that's 
a, a, a harder case to prove than an RS case and a documents case. Mm -hmm. I, but tell you what I think, and I've said this before. I think in this, in the year 2023, that Trump will ask for a pardon from Biden, and Biden will grant him a pardon. I think Trump will say, I, I am guilty. I, you know, but he would have to do it and say, I am guilty in, in the interest of the nation. And I think Biden would say, okay, this, you, you admit guilt, I don't put the country through. So you think ultimately, despite everything we've known about Trump and seen from Trump and heard about Trump, he's he's going to go down a similar path as Nixon in uh, when Nixon uh, acquiesced and uh, capitulated and, and slunk away. You know, Nixon never admitted guilt. Mm -hmm. I mean, by accepting the pardon, he did admit guilt. I, I, I think if Biden, I, I think Trump is going to have to, I think his lawyer is going to say, look, dude, this is the way the cow ate the cabbage. Mm. These sons of bitches are going to convict you. You know, I don't, we, right. we don't have for a defense. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, if you want to live your years out here in Mar-a-Lago, you're going to have to grovel. What about in New York, where he couldn't be pardoned by Biden? You, you know, or Georgia. So Georgia, part right. of it would have to be that the president would call the Fulton County prosecutor and uh, the Manhattan DA and say, I'm the president of the United States in the interest of the country. Right. I'm asking you to spend uh, indicting him. Mm -hmm. And if he takes any word that, and, and if I'm in, so if I'm the Fulton County prosecutor and said, the president asked me to do this in the interest of the country. So I'm going to suspend this investigation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only way you can make it work. Yeah. In our final couple of minutes, I, I want to ask you, so if it's, let's say it's not Trump who's the nominee, and let's say, I know this is a whole controversial thing among Democrats and whatever and progressive, but let's say Biden says, I'm not running again. Who do you think are the, the most likely nominees or people on both sides who could take that mantle but, but, in 24? One of the things, let's talk about the Democratic side because I'm more familiar with it. There is stunning talent in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. There is an entire forest of presidential temper, potential presidential temper. And, you know, I'll say this to anybody, when I kind of started a Peter Harden, legendary poster, was a kind of mentor, benefactor of mine. And he said, James, never try to predict election outcomes just try to affect them all right let's thought that was good advice mm -hmm. and you know but it, it, when, i don't know that bill belichick maybe the greatest coach in nfl nfl history has any better idea who's going to win the super bowl this year than, than i do right all right well we know and it ain't going to be the saints right <laughs> <laughs> and probably not going to be the Patriots. Or the but, Jets. But, I'm a, I'm a long-time suffering Jets fan, so I, I get self-deprecating here. There is, and what we need to do is get this talent on display. Mm -hmm. Right? And I, I, yeah, I think that, I think if one party nominates someone over 75, the other nominates someone under 75, <laughs> probably under 70, and one party takes someone from 
it's more extreme ring and the other party does not. The party with the younger, less extreme candidate will run away with this election. Mm-hmm. Well, putting aside the age factor, I mean, the, the, the centrism factor that you speak of is how Biden got elected. Uh, that may have been like the right guy at the right time, whatever, but but, but I, I tend gonna, to agree with you. I, you know, it, again, I am not a moderate Democrat. I am a liberal Democrat. Mm-hmm. Understand that. I'm just not a leftist Democrat. I don't believe in the dictatorship of the proletariat, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, my uh, co-producer here, Maddie, wanted me to ask you, with, with the midterms, did you pop open the uh, Poppy Van Winkle this time or or not? No, I was, uh, actually, I was doing a, uh, what's a, the circus, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. John Harmon. Uh, uh, Pappy is for presidential Ah. election you don't, you don't you don't bring that saving the good for, stuff for the big for the big race i got you it's like three hundred dollars an ounce and, and my last question to you is you seem to have done so many things what is left for you like what if next 10 years are you just going to do the same stuff you've been doing like or is there something you really wanted to do and like now's the time I to do never, it you keep keep asking you know, write another book and i said you know, the spirit just doesn't move me you know you can't but i'm i'm thinking about doing a short book or maybe kind of long form piece uh, a hack looks back great title yeah what 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 what, what have i learned all right lessons from a life i uh i may do it in a speech in i i don't know I, it, it, but if I, if the spirit moves me, you know, and I'll think about it over the holidays, but I don't want to just write a book just for the sake of filling up space. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, uh, uh you know, I, and I don't want to pontificate for too long, but I mean, so many things that I see that are happening is just massive misunderstanding of what politics is, what moves public opinion, how you move people. And well, it's got to be, a, it's like a tidal wave shift for you and people of, you know, that came up in a different era of politics, because today it just seems like a, it's a cesspool. It's a, it's crazy town. Well, it, 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 it is so much of this is, is cultural and people sort of dig in and uh, and they let claptrap stupid arguments actually convince some people that there's some political wisdom in it and it's, it's nothing but sheer stupidity it cost us and it's the stupidest thing i hear you know if we just went all the way left we would excite so many people. We would bring so many people into the coalition. And, you know, you, you're just in a straitjacket of, mm-hmm. of, no, that's not. And no, and no one believes that. Everyone knows it's not true. And they just keep yapping about it. And it, it, it some of it takes hold at some level. And I, I was listening to this guy, uh, Reverend Charles Barbier, but kind of a bleeder and black leader in North Carolina, he's been around forever, and he was on, I think, Ali Belch, and he said, the Democrats need to forget suburban women and concentrate. 
Really? We're going to win an election just throwing away 35 percent of our coalition? I don't think that's very smart, Reverend. I got to tell you, that's that's not. Maybe maybe we could like come at this a different way. Yeah, it, it just right? to me it just seems like it, it, it's a it's that. a crazy it's a crazy they, place. They, they, they just, the squad, they said, well, we didn't canvas enough. Oh, please. Yeah, but they, I mean, you're, look, you, you're old enough to remember, you know, George Allen. Like, like he blew a twenty year career because he said macaca, right? Now you have a guy who is the lead. Guy's name is C.C. Sitterith. What's the that? Guy that the tracker's name was a guy named C.C. Sinnereth. I'll never forget it. He's one of my heroes. Because Paul and I were the first to do trackers. But today you have a guy who's the leader of a party, who is the presumptive nominee, and he can have dinner at his home with a neo-Nazi, and that's okay. Th- this is where we've come in the last 20, 30 years. I don't... But that's who he is. It, it, it's like, but it's so normalized. Anyway, I can rant on that forever. Uh, my last question. I just, I have, I, I think that Trump is a trashy, immoral, rotten, criminal human being. What do you expect from trashy, immoral, rotten people? Well, but he should be kicked to the curb, is my point. George Allen was kicked to the curb because he said going, one word. He's getting ready to beg for a pardon to keep his fat ass out of jail. <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> I hope you are right. Uh, my last question to you circles back to the window into the soul. So the, the question is, it, it's about music, because music tells us about people more, more than anything, I think. So who are your top five musical artists of all time? My favorite song of all time is probably City Lights by Charlie Lewis. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, my favorite artist in, in terms of overall production might be Fats. Nice. I mean, just just all of the stuff that he did, and I, 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 I you know, definitely a, a creature of you know my generation of music. Uh. Now is that because you like you love the lyric? I I I found my thrill on Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill, yeah, I, I like uh, <laughs> you know I love be my guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just and they, they had to produce this this movie, of course, and go up in poverty. But they, they had to, it was kind of upbeat, uh, live and music. Uh, uh, he stopped loving her today. George mm-hmm. Jones, mm-hmm. Yeah, try to beat that. I, I actually kind of like that old twangy country stuff. All right, that's three. Uh, you got two more. I will go with a tie between Larry Williams and Lord Price. But Larry Williams is a freaking genius, man. A, a, a real, 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 real genius. And, uh, uh, man. Uh, Taylor Swift. Maybe Irma Thomas. I mean, my kids, I used to play Breakaway, mm-hmm. Training. I'd, I'd take them to school, and they mm-hmm. sort of grew up on on, on Irma Thomas. But I'm I'm a big fan of the. I didn't realize what a rich cultural musical upbringing I had. I mean, mm-hmm. in the '50s and '60s, New Orleans was the center of music in the freaking world, sure. man. It, mm-hmm. But that studio on Rampart Street that everybody in the in, in the world. But <clears throat> I, I really become to admire Lord Price and Larry Williams a lot. I I, I think. Stagley personality, it, it just uh, a great song. Boney Maroney, just because. I mean, they 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 just those 
things just spoke to me. Now, the, the, the younger people wouldn't know mm-hmm. have any idea these guys are no more than, you know, I knew who these older, you know, they like that kind of big band music and and, and this stuff is just really, really uh, came and it just hit people hard. But I, I, I do think when I listen to City Lights by Jerry Lee Lewis, I, I just think of growing up in rural Louisiana saying, man, I, I, I want to be in a city like that. that that's something that, that, that just. Well, that's what great music is supposed to do. It's supposed to just travel throughout life with us and bring us back to the, you know. At night before I go to bed, you know, and, you know, induce sufficiently, you know, I'll sit there and <laughs> Well, James, you have been very generous with your time. Uh, you're one of my heroes. You are a legend. Uh, it's been an incredible honor to have uh, this conversation with you. I hope we can do it again at some point soon. It, it, it was fun. And I, and I want to thank you. It was fun. Um, so enjoy the holidays and uh, be well okay so there you have it episode 27 in the can we'd love to hear your thoughts so leave us a message at 845-307-7446 send us an email at backroomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroyd and please leave a review if you like uh, the pod Uh, these are very important uh, things these reviews I want to thank my co-producer engineer and editor Maddie Rosenberg associate producer Jen Hamoud Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big-ass thank you again to our legendary guest, the one and only James Carville. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week. <laughs>